Good evening. It's time for us to uh, go ahead and get started tonight, please, if we could. We are so happy that all of you are here tonight, and it's good to hear the excitement of people talking to one another, enjoying one another's company, and uh, it's certainly encouraging. And I know it is to me to assemble midweek and to be together and study God's Word and sing praises to God and and just be edified, and we are thankful you're here, and if you are one of our guests tonight, it's an honor to have you, and uh, we hope that you'll want to come back and be with us any time that you have an opportunity. Uh, our services on Sunday morning are at 9.30, and Bible class at 5, and then on Wednesday night at 7, but of course this coming Sunday there'll be a, a change due to Christmas. Uh, we'll have one service only this coming Sunday at 10.30, so please keep that in mind and uh, remember that. I hope you did uh, have the opportunity to pick up one of our bulletins. It has an updated list on the sick. Uh, I do want to add one to that. Uh, our brother Eddie Mooney has uh, been diagnosed with uh, lung cancer, and uh, he's going to be going for uh, a stress test on the 27th, and he's scheduled to have surgery 
in Memphis on January the 3rd. So when I'm done making announcements, I'm going to word a special prayer for him. And uh, of course, we want to do what we can to encourage him. And we're so thankful for uh, he and his wife and the good family that they have. And uh, we will certainly be praying for him and encouraging him to the best of our ability. All right, all EYC attendees, uh, you need to meet tonight in the TAC immediately following class, so please remember that. Also, if you will notice in your bulletin some memorials and honorariums, uh, there were some that were inadvertently uh, left off, and if you'll check those, you'll find that update there in the bulletin. Also, we have several uh, upcoming celebrations uh, in anticipation of the twin birth of Miller Kate and Miles Lee Pounds, this is Evan and Tori. There's going to be a table set up in the foyer January the 1st through the 8th. Also, everyone, men and women, I like that, uh, are invited to a bridal shower in honor of Molly Rowland, bride-elect of Caleb Moody, on Sunday, January the 15th from 1.30 until 3 in the Annex. And then, ladies... You're invited to a baby girl shower in honor of Annie Catherine Bruce. Uh, of course, uh, this will be uh, the girl, the daughter of Katie and Drew. This will be Sunday the 22nd from 1.30 until 3. So please uh, note that uh, in the bulletin. Now, one thing that I do want to emphasize tonight, and I think it's important, and I think this is a good time to do it since I have the bulletin. I hope that uh, the church here realizes what a tremendous impact and influence that the congregation has on our Northeast students, our college students. Uh, I've just been amazed uh, as I've observed things and tried to uh, be a part of that to a certain degree, how much influence that we are having on these young people. Uh, several of the young people thought enough of it to send cards to the church and these are some generally just to the church, but several uh, brought cards that expressed thanks to Bo, our college minister, and to Bobby for uh, the cooking that he does and the sacrifice that he and so many others make. And I'm going to read some of these to you. This is from Michael and Dana Putt. They have a child at Northeast. And uh, their son has been here, and they wrote this letter. Our son has been a student and football player at Northeast the past two years. He's enjoyed and appreciated the Bible class and food and fellowship that has been provided for him, his friends and teammates, every Wednesday night. And we're grateful for the Christian investment that you've made in the students of Northeast. Carter finished up at Northeast last week and will now go on to a new chapter in his life. We just want to thank you for the Christian influence that you've had on him. Uh, one of the college students named Jaquela said, thank you so much for all that you do for Northeast Mississippi Community College students. We appreciate the Bible class and meals every Wednesday night, and I'm so thankful. And if I remember right, this young lady was so touched by what they do, she actually brought Bo and I think maybe Bobby and a gift card to go along with a very nice note. She was so thankful. Uh, another one writes, uh, Lexi, thank you for taking care of us. Wednesday night is the best of my week. And I can't tell you how many of those college students express that sentiment that that's the best night they have 
all week long. And then this last one here, uh, this is not so much our college group, but a couple of weeks ago, uh, Northeast played the Freed Hardeman girls, the JV team, on a Sunday afternoon, and uh, we provided a meal for both teams, the ladies' team and the girls' team. And uh, Abby Stutz uh, wrote this thank you note. And by the way, I played basketball in high school with her dad. And uh, Abby's brother, Drew, uh, also uh, coaches the boys' team at Freed Hardeman. She said, thank you so much for inviting us to worship with you and providing all the delicious pregame meal. We appreciate your support of Freed Hardeman and the Lady Lions JV team. So I just thought I could share that with you tonight and hopefully um, it'll make you realize and reinforce the idea that there's a lot of good that's being accomplished through our college program. And I really believe we've only touched the hem of the garment of what might be able to accomplish uh, over time as uh, we try to plant the seeds. So let's continue to support our college program and let's encourage uh, our college students as well. Before we begin our devotional tonight, uh, Brother Jim uh, Estes will lead our singing, Cameron Jumper will lead our prayer. I wanna have a special prayer on behalf of uh, Brother Eddie Money, will you bow with me? Our merciful and kind Heavenly Father, we are indeed grateful for all that you do for us. We recognize especially this time of the year, that every good and perfect gift comes from you. At this time, Father, we want to ask a very special blessing for our brother Eddie Mooney. We're so thankful for him. We're so thankful for his influence that has meant so much to this congregation through the years, the countless lives that have been touched by he and Sister Myra and what they've done here at the Boonville Church. But Father, as he undergoes some medical procedures in the next uh, few days, we pray that you would not only be with him and strengthen him, but be with the doctors and the nurses that will be attending to his needs. And we pray that through all this, that he will ultimately be in remission and continue to serve you in a very faithful way as he's done in the past. Father, again, be with all those that are sick. So many need our prayers at this time, and we pray that your hand of healing and strength would be upon them. And it's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Mark, please, number 915. We'll use that as a song of invitation. Now turn to number 869. Number 869. Come with me, the Lord, and let
Tomorrow we are going to experience record cold. They say that wind chills will be in the minus teens to minus 20s. Now, we also know what a hot day can be like in North Mississippi as well. You know, we can go from one extreme to another. Now, personally, I despise cold weather. I don't like it to get below 60 ever if I had a say in it. But you know, these contrast in weather, the fact that tomorrow night it's going to be some 40 degrees plus colder than it is right now, got me to thinking about some of those extremes that we see in weather. It got me to thinking about a warning that was given to the church at Laodicea in Revelation chapter 3, beginning in verse 15. You know, God said to those people, I know your works. I know your works. You're neither cold nor hot. Would that you were cold or hot, so then because you are lukewarm and neither cold or hot, I will spew thee, I will vomit you, I will spit you out of my mouth. You know, God makes a very plain and urgent statement to these people. He says, I wish it were true that you were really on fire for me or else you were completely against me. God said, I just can't tolerate those that just half-heartedly try to serve me. Our heart's not in it. We're not truly striving to serve God. We're here for the services. You know, we'll try to be involved here and there. But, you know, our heart's not really in it. We're just lukewarm. And God said, I will spew you out of my mouth. It's dangerous to be lukewarm. And God warns us against it. Now we have the solution down in verse 19. Immediately after this warning, he said, those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. He says, be zealous and repent. What's the answer to lukewarmness? What's the answer to not having our heart in our service to God? Well, the answer is we need to renew our minds. We need to renew our hearts. We need to become zealous for the Lord once again and determined to put him first. And we need to repent and resolve to do better. But then I love the words of verse 20 that really apply to the invitation that we're extending tonight. Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. You see, God wants us to serve him. God loves us as his children, but he will not tolerate our being lukewarm. It may be tonight as we draw to a close of this year that there may be those who need to make their lives right. Maybe you need to come tonight and express your desire to repent and to do better. Maybe you're here tonight and you've never obeyed the gospel. If you do believe Jesus is the Son of God tonight and you're willing to repent of your sins, you can be baptized into Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. And the Lord will add you to his church. 
So tonight we give you this opportunity if you have a need to respond. And we ask that you come now while we stand and sing.
us pray. <clears throat> Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for all that we have and all that we've been given. Lord, we're so thankful. And pray, Lord, that we'll understand that all good and perfect things come from above. Lord, we're ever so thankful for the many blessings you give us. Lord, we're thankful for the people we have in our life. Lord, we're so thankful for the Fosters, so thankful for Gibson and his heart. Lord, we're so thankful for their family, what they mean to us here. Lord, we ask thee to be with us all. Pray that we'll all have that heart of a servant loving to you. Lord, we ask thee at this time also a special prayer to the Mooney family. Lord, we pray for them. Lord, we pray for strength and health. Lord, we pray for healing. Lord, we pray for comfort to the family during these times they have ahead. Lord, we also pray for our country at this time. Lord, we pray for all the ones that are without. Lord, we pray for the, the children. Lord, we pray to be with them. Lord, we pray for the, be with the ones that are unloved. Lord, we pray that they'll find their way and find the love of Christ and serve you. Lord, we ask thee to be with us. Forgive us, Lord, of our shortcomings. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. stand please as our teachers go to class and we'll sing the first verse of Jesus Loves Me. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Good evening, everybody. Wonderful to see you. Yeah, it's going to get cold, at least for us. I'm sure some people, they experience that all the time, like Eskimos. But we're not that. And I just, I just pray this thing will happen. It'll go away quickly and we'll be able to brag about how we endured that 
cold spell, 2022. Wow. Okay, I have these sick people. And when I finish my list, if you would like to add someone, we'll do that. And then we'll be praying for them here in a few short minutes. Irene Baker has terminal cancer. That's Melinda Hester's mother. Uh, Martha Eaton's doing a, a lot better. Her, the bone her foot recovered, and we're grateful for that. Austin Wentz is undergoing a long series of chemo treatments and occasionally has really heavy treatments. So remember him. Don Dawson, he's very sick. Has been unwell for quite a while. So remember him and Brenda. Um, Wade Davis will have been missing for six months tomorrow. Remember Sue and their family. Carolyn Wilcutts in recovery. Bobby Petty has lung cancer. Doug's dad, Kelby, is not well. Uh, Cody McGee is recovering from his foot surgery, doing, doing pretty well. Vanessa Williams. Okay, so we've been praying for her leukemia, and she's a member over at Snowdam. She was found to be negative for leukemia. Yay, yes? Okay, that's what we shoot for with all our prayers. <laughs> so, uh, yay, but she's going to be rechecked every six months to confirm that, but that's just, that's terrific news. Eric Fitzsimmons, um, he is undergoing treatment for blockages. Chopper Taylor is really suffering uh, in his legs, very painful. Larry Kennedy uh, being treated for a mass in his shoulder. Danny Ramdahl is one of our missionaries in Guyana. He has stage four kidney failure. Linda's here. She's doing great, but probably got a year's worth of recovery. So just keep her in your prayers. Van Roberts has pancreatic cancer. Paul Rollison has brain cancer. Reed Sparks recently lost the second of his legs. Lex Crossan has health issues. Joan and Martha's sister, Norma, has chronic health issues. Tony Presley has leukemia. Marty Woodruff, cancer. Lynn Barragona is recovering from her broken arm. Patsy Bain had hip replacement surgery. Eli Johnson is going to be undergoing a lot of treatments for stage four cancer. Jackie Lambert's Dale Kendrick's sister, she's going to be having surgery the first part of January. Zoe Wade's back home. Uh, they determined it was, in fact, the croup, just a real se severe case of it. So they've treated her and sent her home. We're glad, glad for that. Teresa Taylor, who's Janice's mother-in-law, is back at Landmark. She's in her 90s. Martin Hanley passed away, 36, leaves behind a wife and two children. Remember Micah, he's part of the McBrayer family. He's at St. Jude with leukemia. My mother was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. Kim Fowler's cousin, Michelle McCann, is having six bypass open heart surgery tonight. She lives in Murfreesboro. I've never heard of six bypasses. Sue Mason's grandson, Hayden, he went to the doctor with a temperature of 103. He has strep. So beware. <laughs> Strep's out there, too. And as was mentioned, uh, Eddie, he's been diagnosed with lung cancer. 
He's actually been undergoing some tests since August, trying to be definitive about it. And doctors believe that the surgery is going to be able to remove the cancer. So that's what we're praying for. Yes, we just want this thing to be dealt with and go away. Uh, Bryson Lambert is Susan Lambert's son. He's in the ICU with COVID. He's in his 30s. And Merle Crow had carpal tunnel surgery yesterday and a little surgery on his lip. And he's recovering at home. They just, you know, they didn't ask for prayers prior to the surgery. The reason that they mention that is because they want you to know why they're not here. Don't you appreciate that very much? We don't have to go chase after people. They tell us why they're not here. I just love that. You got to love the crows. Uh, but that's why they're not here. And hopefully... Uh, they'll be in, in top form and be back with us real soon. Okay, anybody else have someone? Oh, no. <laughs> this crazy thing. Of course, I probably typed it wrong. Uh, but I'll blame it, and y'all will think it was its fault. Uh, who? Uh, Brenda? Oh, really? And what, what's, what's her ailment? Oh, doesn't feel well. Judy, Jenny. Okay. Okay, again, public service announcement. Do not fall. Do not do that. Yes, Lisa. You will be traveling? Oh, travelers in general. Okay. Glad that didn't get him back in the hospital. 
Okay, let's pray for these folks. Oh. Okay. Okay, that's terrific. Okay, let's have our prayer and we'll rejoice in the good things that have happened and uh, beg God for help with others. Father in heaven, thank you for a great day today. Thank you for all the blessings that you shower upon us continually. We're just, we're so grateful, so, so grateful. And we're thankful we can be here tonight and participate in these activities and be with our brothers and sisters. And I just, I love the crow's expression of desire to be here so much so they, they would admit to medical treatment just so we know why they're not here. And I, I pray that you'll be with Merle in his recovery, that it'll go well, and they, they can be back real soon. We pray for Irene Baker and her family, pray that she'll have good quality days. We pray for Martha Eaton, thankful Father for her great recovery and the right kind of treatment, getting with the right medical people, and we just pray she'll have a complete and total recovery. Bless Austin Wentz as he undergoes very heavy treatments. Bless Don Dawson that his health could get better. We pray for the Davis family as they're marking six months of Wade being gone. We just pray comfort for this family. Bless Carolyn Wilcutt and her recovery. Bless Bobby Petty and his battle. Bless Kelby Smith with good days. We're thankful Cody's doing better. We pray he'll have a full recovery. We rejoice with Vanessa Williams and everybody else who came to your throne and begged you on her behalf. We're thankful that this diagnosis, however it was made in the first place, is no longer the case. And we just pray that this will always be true for her. We pray for Eric Fitzsimmons. He can get treatment he needs. Bless Chopper Taylor. That he can find relief from the pain that he is dealing with. Bless Larry Kennedy in his treatment. Bless Danny Ramdahl that he can receive the treatment he needs. We pray your continued blessings on Linda as she recovers from her surgery. Bless Van Roberts in his battle with cancer. Bless Paul Rollison who has brain cancer. Bless Reed Sparks in adjustments he has to make in losing his legs. Bless Lex Crossan who has several health issues. Bless Norma with good days. Bless Tony Presley in his battle with leukemia. Marty Woodruff in battle with cancer. We pray for Sister Lynn that she'll have a full recovery. Her arm will be stronger than ever. Bless Patsy Bain that she'll have a good recovery and rehab with her um, hip surgery. We pray for Eli Johnson that his body's going to respond to the treatments he receives and that he'll be well again. Bless Jackie Lambert as she's preparing for surgery in a few weeks. We rejoice that Zoe Wade's back home. We pray that she's getting the treatment she needs to avoid this happening again. We pray for Teresa Taylor and that she'll have good days at Landmark. Bless Martin Hanley's family, his wife, his two young children. Just pray their comfort through this season. We pray for Micah, who's at St. Jude with leukemia. We pray that 
He'll respond to treatments and his cancer will go into remission. I pray your blessings on my mother and for those who care for her every day. Bless Kim Fowler's cousin, Michelle, as she is undergoing heart surgery, maybe even right now. We pray that it will go well and she'll have a good recovery. We pray for Hayden, who has strep. We pray his treatment is going to reduce his temperature and make him feel better. Uh, we have prayed a lot for Eddie today. And Lord, we're looking forward to rejoicing about news concerning his treatment. Just bless him as he's facing surgery and prep for it. And just give him a peace and comfort knowing that this is in your hands, as we will do also. And we just look for a tremendous outcome and all glory to you. Pray for Bryson Lambert, Susan's son, who's in the ICU with COVID. We pray for Merle Crow again, that uh, his carpal tunnel surgery was a success. He'll have good use of his hand again and to recover from the surgery on his lip. Bless Luke Jones in his treatment for strep, that it won't last long. Bless Brenda Donovan, who doesn't feel well. And Sue Mason, who's out tonight. Pray for Marilyn, who's not feeling well. For Jenny Adams, who's homesick. We pray for Joyce Morris, who had gallbladder surgery and has now fallen. We pray she can recover from these things, do well. Pray for Quitman Wigginton, who fell again and again and again. And we just pray that he'll have better stability, that he'll not continue doing this with the fear of significant damage. And we're thankful that Alexa's surgery went real well and pray that she'll be getting back to normal very soon. And uh, we, we pray right along with Lisa, uh, a desire that everybody who's traveling over these holidays, especially in the really bad weather that's coming, that will be safe and that we'll not suffer any uh, accidents among our brothers and sisters. We pray, Lord, that you'll bless us tonight as we're studying together. Help us to appreciate more of what we find as a record of the way the church behaved in the first century, in its inception and the generations that followed and who really set a foundation for what was to come in following your direct will. And help us, Lord, as we're living in the 21st century, to embody the very same characteristics and attributes and to win this world for you as they did. And thank you for, thank you for the blessing of salvation that we enjoy anyway. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Okay, so as regards laying out groundwork, we're going we're gonna to talk about a final thing, and that is the manner of life that they experienced, I mean, in the church. And then following that, we're going to look more specifically at some things related to the development of the church and how that was for them and directly how it should be for us. What will make us unique and different in our own time? Okay, so Hollywood's reading for us tonight. We're going to be looking at Acts chapter 4, verses 32 to 37. Talk about manner of life. Sometimes we talk ourselves into 
striving after certain attributes that Christians ought to have. What I like about the record of the book of Acts is that it seems like that thing was effortless. Once they turned their heart to the Lord, once they made their commitment, they believed with the deepest, the deepest parts of themselves that their commitment to the Lord was absolute. So when Jesus said that if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me, they really believed that. That's how they lived. Or like Luke 14, 33, whoever doesn't forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. Sometimes we hear texts like that and then we wait for the preacher or the teacher to come along and say, well, now I know it sounds like you've got to give up everything, but here's what he really meant and then kind of soften it. I'm not here to do that for you <laughs> because Jesus wasn't trying to be soft. In fact, Jesus wasn't trying to be hard either. Jesus is just simply laying out what discipleship is. Discipleship is not some percentage of commitment to him. It is all of our commitment to him, 100%. So what does that look like? We're talking about manner of life. So will you read this text for us? And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that all of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Neither was there any among them that lacked, for as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them, and brought the prices of the things that were sold, and laid them down at the apostles' feet, and distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. And Hoses, Joseph, who by the apostles were surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite, into the country of Cyprus, having land sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Okay, you notice that when Barnabas, Joseph, who's named Barnabas, given the nickname, when, when he lays it at the apostles' feet, what's he, what's he doing? As he's giving this gift with what kind of strings attached? <laughs> None. Right. And here's, I don't think it's just an accident or just a simple way to describe Barnabas by the list of things that he was. I think this was I think this was on purpose that he is described as being a Levite of the country of Cyprus. You know how Levites got their land, got their property. Did they get it by inheritance? Did they receive it from their family? Were they a part of that group of people who were benefited by the Jubilee, the 70 year cycle where I sell a piece of property to JT if I sell it to him in the, I don't know, the 50th year, I know in 20 years I'm getting that back because it's my family land. So I'd probably sell it to him with the idea you're only getting it for 20, not for a lifetime. Barnabas is a Levite. Where'd he get his land? His family hand that down to him? Shake her head this way. 
Yeah, the tribes gave land. Or else he would have to do what to get it? He'd have to buy it himself. So I get the idea that what's being intimated here in this text is Barnabas isn't just one of those Jews that gives and it, it could possibly benefit him by selling that property and getting it back or whatever. But this is somebody who when he sells this property, he's selling it for good. In other words, it's the ultimate sacrifice. I sell the land, I'm never getting it back, but I'm also not holding back anything for myself. It's an absolute gift. I give it, I'm gonna lay it at the apostles' feet. They can distribute it to anyone as they see the need. So I trust them because I'm a part of a community of people. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna get this, Barnabas is described as the son of encouragement. So what do you think partly would have been a benefit of the gift that Barnabas is giving? It would encourage other people to give too. Now it backfires, right? We'll not go into this, but in the very next chapter, <laughs> you've got two people, a husband and a wife who also sell land, but they hold back part of it. They do the very thing that most everybody who is uncommitted would do. I'm going to put on a show. I'm going to kind of do the thing because I, I see what happens when people do that. Wow, you know, they didn't know it at the time, but you, you get it that this was such an extraordinary thing that's happened. Ultimately, it ends up in the Bible. You want to be in the Bible for those kind of things, not for what Ananias and Sapphira did, right? So... Barnabas is the son of encouragement. He does this. He encourages other people to do the same. Well, why would they do it? There, there are some things we'll not really go into it in this text. But you notice that part of what they were doing, the apostles' job was to talk and share the truths about the resurrection of Jesus and the good things that are coming to you as a result of being a Christian. So in, in, in this relationship, the thing that motivates people to do what's right, things like hope and faith. Oops, <laughs> don't you love my penmanship? Um, and then um, no holding or investing in or two possessions. Why don't these Christians care about their possessions that much? Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth, right? For you died. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. Colossians 3 verse 3. I know I'm with Jesus now. And so if there's somebody that has a need that I can meet that need, I, I want to do that for my brother, my sister. I, we just... It's like, okay, you're suffering in this life right now. I think I can help alleviate some of that because why would I let my brother or sister suffer now? We're going to heaven, you know? I, I, I don't want you to endure that. Let's, let's just get along. Let's help one another get to heaven. I love, I love the idea of the encouraging aspect of it because you get the sense that I have the mind that I'm going to lift you up to heaven, but then at the same time, what are you going to do in return? Aren't you lifting me up to heaven too? And it's just like the picture of this pushing one another all the way up to heaven. That's the manner of life of Christians in the first century. 
Now, a second thing, and, and a, we do this now too, right? We like to get together and eat. Why is it great to get together and eat? Not simply because there's good food, but what's great about eating? It's the fellowship of it. I, I can't speak for you. And we're not Italian, so I know it's not handed down that way. <laughs> but what we like to do at our house is hang around the kitchen. When the family's all over, I, in fact, our house is designed basically around the kitchen because that's where people gather, right? Isn't it fun, especially this time of year, Thanksgiving and Christmas, the family comes together. The first thing my kids want to know is, what are we eating? You know, what's on the menu? Because they have special things that they want on the menu. Are you, are you going to make sure that the pink fluff is made? Casey says. Well, the reason Casey wants that, probably, no, well, one is it's delicious. But secondly, she liked that when she was just a little kid. And guess what? Every Christmas, that's what she wanted. Now that she's an adult, I still like that. And part of it's not, not just I like it, but it brings back all those memories of those great times of being together. So getting together and having meals was significant. Okay, uh, Acts chapter 2 and verse 46. And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. Okay, so they came together and they met there in the temple. That, uh, they're Jews and so they have a right to be assembling there and they're kind of getting their legs about their Christianity. But when they leave the temple, what do they do? Disperse and don't see each other until we get back to the temple? No, when they leave there, where do they go? Let's go to somebody's house, you know? And at this stage, a little bit later, we see it doesn't happen with as much regularity as it does here in the beginning, but they're going from house to house. They are, they are participating with one another day after day after day. They're learning the word of God and they're sharing a meal together. They are truly with one accord. Um, one way of expressing that is the idea of hearts that are beating in unison. The church was made up of lots of people, lots of members. In fact, in fact verse 41 tells us that the church was made up of how many people by now? 3,000. But those 3,000 were as one person. They're all together in this. They come from different places, but when they're in Jesus, they are, they are one and they are joy, enjoying fellowship with one another. Now, if I enjoy that with my church family, I can actually use that manner of life. I mean, that's, that's going to become me. That's going to become my function. So now in my interaction with people who maybe aren't in the church, can I still be impactful with that very same manner of life? Romans chapter 12, verse 13 says that we are to be what? Distributing to the necessity of saints, given to hospitality. Given to hospitality. He didn't say, make sure you're hospitable. What does he say? You're be given to it, which means what? It's my thing. I lean toward it. I want to do it. Literally, hospitality there means a lover of strangers. Okay? That's my thing. How did that become our thing? Well, you remember Jesus tells a story 
about this fellow that gets knocked in the head and is in the ditch and the people who should have cared for him didn't and the one who shouldn't have cared for him did. The Good Samaritan, right? So who's my neighbor? Well, who does your neighbor end up being? Just about anybody, yeah? Okay, so given to hospitality means I, I don't just do it because it's on my list to check that off. I, that's my thing. That's my manner of life, my manner of doing things. Is that a good idea? Hebrews chapter 13, verse 3. What does that say? Two, right? Uh, two, yes. Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Okay, so he's not saying every stranger you entertain will be an angel. <laughs> Nor does he necessarily imply that that could happen, so watch out. But he says it has happened, and it sure is a good thing that they were hospitable, isn't it? <laughs> so leaning toward that, have the mindset of it. <clears throat> Let that be your manner of life. But watch this. Now, this is for those who have a hard time wrapping their mind around or getting their lifestyle in gear of really being a follower of Jesus. Those who struggle with it might actually develop a bad attitude about it. First Peter chapter four and verse nine. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. Ooh. Anybody want to guess what it means to be grudging? Okay, and it is this. I know I'm supposed to do it, and I'm going to do it. <laughs> yes, Janita, but I don't want to do it. Now, I'm going to do it because I have to. I mean, I'm a Christian after all, but I don't want to do it. And if I do it, you know, I'll probably, I'll show up and I'll, I'll bring my casserole, but I'll kind of, Slap it down on the table. Some ad attitude. How am I supposed to approach this? Barnabas sells this piece of property. And what does he do with it? He laid it at the apostles' feet and they distributed to each as anyone had need. I'm so glad to be able to do... I am so thankful for the opportunity to do this. Now, Ruth asked me the other day, she said, do you have to go to work such and such a day? What did I say, Ruth? I said, no, I get to go. I want to be there. I want to do that job. As a Christian, we ought not be thinking, oh no, they asked this or they want us to do blah, blah, blah. Negative, 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 negative. That's not how we operate, right? Because our manner of life our, our way of thinking is, I just want to help. You know, I just want to, wouldn't it be great if, well, why don't we? All of us aspire to be a Barnabas. Yes? Thank you, the four of you who are complying here. I'll do it, but I don't want to. No, face, <laughs> I, I don't know what just happened to me, but um, no, really, right? I, you know, this is, this is going to be my thing. I just, I just want to serve you. I just want to make Jesus happy. And if this is what makes Jesus happy, then I'm going to be happy in it too. Yes, let's do that. Okay, we have five minutes. <laughs> I, want to, I want to begin talking about 
the church of Christ. And what we are, what we're going to do in this section is we're going to make a shift. So we've been talking about all that was experienced in some general terms relative to the church that existed in the first century. We saw how it was established. We saw the things that they did. And now we've even looked into the kind of life that they were living, the attitude of heart that drove them to be the people that they were. Now what we're wanting to do, we're going to quickly review that just to be a springboard to talk about not just what they were, but how it is that what happened in the first century ought to be happening over here in the 21st century. Because while technology changes and clothing styles change and modes of transportation change and all of that, what's on the inside of a man and a woman, that doesn't change. The same things that people struggle with in the first century, they still struggle with in the 21st century. But the things that the Lord was expecting them to become in the first century are also the very same things that he's expecting us to become in the 21st century. So very quickly, uh, we're going to go, we're going to go through this. Um, I'm going to jot down some texts here. You've, you've heard probably mentioned already, or these would be texts that you're familiar with. I just want to put something together for you real quick, just as like a review. Okay. 241X8 and verse 4, and then Revelation chapter 2 and verse 10. Okay, here's where we go. Jesus announced the matter of the church coming here in Matthew chapter 16, verse 28, or verse 18. Okay, so Peter's made the great confession that Jesus is what? He's the Son of God. And so Jesus then points to that and he says, well, now you're Peter, you know, you're a little rock, but on this rock, the bedrock, the big rock, the major deal that I'm the son of God, you're a little, you're a little rock, you're Peter, but on this rock, the big confession, I'm going to build my church, my church, singular, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. And then he says, I'm going to give to you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. He says that directly to Peter here. But in two chapters later, chapter 18, he's going to extend that to all of those apostles. Literally, that means whatever's been bound in heaven or whatever's bound in heaven shall have... Uh, Whatever is bound on earth shall have already been bound in heaven. Whatever is loosed on earth shall have already been loosed in heaven. In other words, Peter doesn't call the shots. Neither do any of those other apostles. Who calls the shots? The one who settles it in heaven and then indicates it to those who are on the earth. How is he going to, from heaven, indicate it to those on the earth? John 14, 23. John 16, verse 13. Through the... Holy Spirit, through the coming of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2, verse 47, the Lord added to the church. When did the church start relative to this text? Yeah, right, right here in this chapter, <clears throat> okay? So he's add, the, Lord, the Lord added to the church daily those who are being saved. So those people who were saved in this text, 
in response to the gospel message who repented and were baptized, who received the remission of sins. Those people who were saved were added to the church, singular, that Jesus had prophesied about back here in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18. Yes? Okay. Then also verse 41. How many of those people? We mentioned a moment ago, 3,000 of them. How did the 3,000 become party to that? That text tells us that they were what? Starts with a B, yeah, baptized. Those who gladly received his word were baptized. And about that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. So those who repented and baptized on that day, 3,000. What happened to them? They were added to the church. Okay, so Jesus prophesied of it. Here it's fulfilled here in this text. I mentioned chapter 8, verse 4, because the Lord's plan was not to build a megachurch in Jerusalem. The Lord's plan was to carry the gospel and by virtue of obedience to the gospel, the church to where? The whole world from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. So as they did that, wow, gangbusters. But what did it take? Chapter 8, verse 4, took persecution. People are pretty happy to stay where they're comfortable, yes? So sometimes it takes persecution in order to encourage the advancement of the kingdom. But if we will be faithful until death, what will happen? Revelation 2, verse 10. The Lord will give us a crown of life, yes. Okay, let's have a prayer and we'll be dismissed. Thank you for your attention. Father, thank you for this opportunity to study together. Thank you for all the good things that have happened tonight. We pray your blessings on Gibson. We pray your blessings on those who are sick. We pray your blessings on us through the coming days. Keep us safe in the cold weather. And we look forward to being together again on the first day of the week. Thank you for the blessing of fellowship in your body. In Jesus' name, amen.